We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital football expert Pete DeWeese as we get ready for Ole Miss and Texas A&M in Oxford on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the final day of Central Daylight Time. You might not know that. I'm a trivia person as it pertains to uh, the calendar and such. On Sunday, we switch to Central Standard Time, and we'll either be in a really good mood because Ole Miss will be getting ready for a trip to Georgia with a ton on the line, or uh, Ole Miss will be licking its wounds from a loss to uh, the Aggies and the game in Athens won't mean nearly as much, but we will switch time regardless because father time does not care who wins a football game. We will, uh, we will talk about, <laughs> we will talk about the uh, rebels and the Aggies momentarily. First, let me tell you that we're brought to you each and every week by Riverland roofing. Would you like some peace of mind? Knowing that your roof is taken care of, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered. Home or business, as a GAF Master Elite Contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland services Mississippi and its surrounding states. So uh, please text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. Some of you have. People at Riverland have been very pleased with uh, the response that they've gotten. So if you get in contact with them, please make sure that you tell them that uh, you appreciate them sponsoring Pete's Pigskin Preview because uh, their sponsorship makes shows like these possible on MPW. Speaking of MPW, it is always sponsored this football season by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea. It packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team, whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience, it perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. And uh, toast to you, Pete DeWeese. How are you, sir? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? 
I am good. Uh, Rebels Aggies is a big game. It's got tons on the line for uh, the Rebels. I think there's a lot on the line for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies as well. There's a lot of MPW digital content that's either going to air before or after this show, kind of depending on some scheduling. Uh, David Nuno, Owen Buchanan, both from uh, Texags, joins us uh, on the MPW. They talked about how big this game is for the Aggies. It's obviously huge for the Rebels. Um. There's not a lot to say about Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. That game went about the way I thought it would go. Ole Miss jumped out to a 26 to nothing lead. Uh, fell asleep a little bit. I don't mean that as a negative. They're humans. They know what's coming. Um, they 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 won. They the second half was seven to seven. It didn't matter. Whatever. Who cares? This is the big game. I mean, I'm not trying to belittle the the game last week. It just whatever. It's fine. Um, Vegas is really good. Vegas headed at 25 and a half. Ole Miss won by 26. There's a reason those buildings. Uh, look the way they do on the strip. So remember that next time you go. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Ole Miss, Texas A&M. It's a huge game. It's one I've talked about for a while. I've talked to you about it for a while. I think this is a fascinating matchup at the lines of scrimmage for both teams. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's been, a, it's been a minute, frankly, since I've been kind of this intrigued and excited about a game that I cover. Yeah, I, I think it's got a chance to be a great one. And, and there's a lot of storylines. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of share a screen and, yeah, go and get it. ready to dive in. There's, there's a ton of storylines in this game. I mean, you know, you can't follow Ole Miss without seeing some of the things that have been said in press conferences this weekend. Some elite, elite responses to questions. I mean, Lane <laughs> is just he's he has been – on point, but we we know this one means a lot to Jimbo. Um, but he's not the only one on this staff that would like on that staff that would like to beat Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, I, that's that's certainly a thing. And so, um, th- there's some storylines there. And then you know, you talk about if you if you do have plans, if you are Ole Miss and you're hopeful for what could be, and and you're still a long way from maybe achieving some of those things, um it all has to start here. You know, things do start to fade away a little bit if you come out of this Texas A&M game um, and come to Athens next week with the second loss on the schedule. Um, you know, things start to look a little bit more bleak. So I, I think um, I think there's certainly a lot to play for. You know, um, you hope, obviously, that you get Ole Miss's best. And if you're an Ole Miss fan and – you know, I, I spent some time. I went back this week prepping for this and looked at last year's Ole Miss Texas A and M game. You know, we, we so much talk about all the talent A and M has, and 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 particularly the defensive line and, and on the defensive side of the ball. All those guys were on the field last year when Ole Miss was very effective offensively against Texas A and M. So I I wanted to go back and look and kind of compare this A and M defense to last year's A and M defense. Um, to to see if there was you know how much commonality is there right I mean um, Walter Nolan's Walter Nolan and 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 only changes so much and it, it happens with all the other guys on that front and on that defense and you know for Ole Miss you know your Jackson Dart's still Jackson Dart I mean but there are a few things scheme wise that that do look just a little bit different but I, I think that you know ultimately. You know, the ability to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of this, the the skill positions exist in this game, and and the Ole Miss secondary 
probably doesn't love their matchups if they have to get into a one-on-one coverage situation often in this game. So the ability of the Ole Miss defensive line to to play as well as they've really been playing the last couple of weeks. I mean, um, you know, Vanderbilt didn't great up front, but one of the things that we talked about last week was Vandy does a great job of getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, not giving up a ton of pressures. And Ole Miss was able to get to them early and often. And and they did some things coverage-wise to take away underneath throws. And they were productive and, and selective in how they rushed, um, but they were productive in, in how they got there. And so what I really kind of thought we would do tonight is focus on what A&M does defensively um, to – to look at some of the numbers, look at how they try to attack you um, and, and kind of some of the things that they rely on the most um, to to create havoc on defense. And they're a little bit hard to understand, not from a scheme standpoint, just overall, right? And, and Kevin's made the jokes and you've collected all the talent and all that stuff, but you're talking about seventh total defense in the country, first total defense in the SEC. You're, you're first in sacks, and you're not far ahead of Ole Miss in sacks, but you're first in sacks, 13th nationally in rush defense, 7th nationally in third on conversion defense. Um, you know, the, the numbers are there to show that they're they're putting a really good unit on the field defensively. Um, but at the same time, you look at the schedule, and they gave up 48 points to a Miami team that's not elite. You know, it's a team that scored points but they're not an elite Miami offense. Um, The quarterback had a huge day for Miami in that game. Um, You know, you you look at some of the others. um, Milrow had a big day for Alabama to beat A&M. But then you kind of flip it on its head. And, okay, Tennessee hasn't been the the offensive juggernaut that they were last year. Changing quarterback, other personnel, best receivers going to the NFL. Um, They haven't been the same. But they were certainly effective against Tennessee, in particular the passing game. Um, and, and Tennessee's been really good in the run game this year, and they ran it okay against A&M. Um, but they had a hard time being consistent in the run game against A&M. So there, there's a lot of interesting things. You can, Obviously, you can also look at, you know, road games. You can look at road games versus ranked opponents and and kind of look at, at, at some of that stuff and the trends and the way that they've played in recent years. But I have little doubt that Jimbo, you know, they're going to bring their best into Oxford. They know this one's big for them. Um, and I, I think they're going to play that way. So let's look at what uh, DJ Durkin and, and the Aggie defense, kind of some of the things that, that they like to do. In, in the way that they they like to attack people, and you know they have some very versatile personnel, and it really gives them so many different things they could do. Now, in a lot of ways, in particular from a coverage structure standpoint, there's a lot of similarity between what Pete Golden wants to do and the way that he's going to rotate safeties and end up in these different one high looks. There, there's some carryover there. Um, how they tend to use the front is where things get a little bit different, and they're doing it with some really good players. And so um, just kind of want to show you some of the challenges um, that, that A&M can, can prevent. And, and a lot of it is going to be based on movement, whether it's pre-snap movement or post-snap movement. 
they're going to do a lot of different things to try and create havoc. And so they've got some really good things that they do in their game plan. So just kind of, for example, Alabama comes out with a tight end wing to the left of the offense. They've got two receivers out to the right. And their number one play when they get in this look is Alabama. They run a lot of duo concept. And it's it's something we've talked about on here. It's something that Ole Miss broke out against LSU. And we've seen it different times um, since then. But it's built on the premise of creating as many double teams as you can. It's not the only time in the game that you see this. Um you actually see them jump into a front that is a little bit of a duo killer, right? If to run duo effectively, you want to try and get multiple. And what, what Texas a does by putting a defender gap and putting a defender head up on the tight end, they eliminate your ability to get two front side combos. So you can get a backside double team and work here. You can get one front side double team to work here, and now you're putting your tight end in a real difficult situation where he's one-on-one with his defensive end, and your wing is going to have to turn out on this stand-up linebacker that's off the edge. So when A&M deploys this, and then they're going to move the front post-snap, and they're going to slant these guys, you can see that now they're able to – kind of create a, create the scene that they win C-gap with this defensive end between the tight end and the tackle, and it allows this linebacker to be free. So he's going to fit and scrape over the top where he knows he should be unblocked. He's going to backfill here, and then they've got support coming from the secondary for any outside gap. So they do a really good job of changing these rush lanes as things happen. Now – if we were going to run this all the way back, if you had the ability to win this block at tight end, it's going to open up and it has a chance to potentially crease. But that's a hard block to win for a tight end against a really good player. And it's a great job of, by A&M of, of using their personnel, understanding tendency, and being able to attack. Okay, So the next time that they come out, and this is the very next play, Alabama breaks out of a – traditional two tight end set. So they're going to stem into a version of what's known as, as a mint front. Okay. Um, Kirby Small and and during his time at Alabama um, and then now into Georgia, and you see the same thing at Oregon or Dan Lanning. One thing that's become very popular in modern football is what's known as the tight front. Okay. Spread offenses oftentimes, they want to find the bubble in the run game. They want to find the open gap where it's not occupied in the run game, and they want to try to attack you there. So the tight front helps you negate some of that. And then typically the tight front is you're going to have a head-up nose, and then your two defensive ends are going to be on the inside eye of your tackles. So what happens now is the nose is going to play what some people call a stone technique or a stump technique or a lag technique, where essentially if the center were to step this direction – the nose is going to get on the back half of that and control this backside gap. And now as your backer is able to get over the top, you force the ball to bounce is what ends up happening. And it's hard to create any type of double team 
that can get up to these inside linebackers begin because of the placement and the structure of the defense. So the the kind of evolution of that is what's known as the mint front, which is where now you add a fourth rusher on the line of scrimmage. And you can do a lot of different things. You can play the end and B gap, and you can play this this edge rusher on C gap. You can work twist where you're going to slant and fold him back inside. There's a lot of different games that you play. But this is a, a big run front that you do see from uh, the, this Texas A&M defense. So you can see here, um, as, as this play starts, Alabama's going to check the play, try to get in what they want to be in. Okay, And as the center goes to step, the nose is now backdooring here. Okay, you've got an end in B gap. The edge rusher is in C gap, and the backside B gap now is here. So, if the back stays front side, they're going to fit it here with Mike. As the back starts to fall back and cut back, he's now going to redirect back over the top to give himself a chance. Now, you know Alabama checks into this play for a reason, and there's a reason that teams don't run this front 100% of the time, you can see that there's actually a lane developing that if they could have secured the block on his backside linebacker, this is me being a football nerd and a fanboy, watch the right tackle for Alabama and watch his IQ in what happens right here. As he goes to zone and try to cut off that defense, End, he actually wins. He beats it into his landmark. And when he realizes what's happened, he's going to put brakes on right here and literally block him with his butt and, and just build the wall and set a screen. That's really high IQ level, and it shows a real understanding of, of what's happening scheme-wise around him to now build that wall. And you can see there's a potential seam if they get to either of those linebackers, but that's kind of the beauty of the tight front and the mint front is you make it hard to climb to those inside backers in particular with any interior player. So Alabama was able to get a decent gain right there. It's a second down play for them, but is again high level execution. When I watched the Ole Miss Texas A&M game from last year, what I saw a lot of is when Texas M would play in up front. When they would play that up nose over the center, Ole Miss ran a lot of their zone schemes. And they had a lot of success moving guys laterally and letting the running backs find a vertical crease. And when Texas A&M would get into an even front and not be head up on the center, but play with essentially two tackles now instead of one, um, Ole Miss – tend to, to lean on their gap teams a little bit more, and they found ways to to manipulate that even front and and attack uh, the, the Texas A&M run game, okay? So now you're looking at the first third down of the game for Alabama, and, and I feel that Coach Speak, and we say it all the time on here, but the importance of staying out of third and long is such a big thing in football. And, I, you know, like I said earlier, A&M is seventh in the country of third down conversion rate. Now, Ole Miss is not a great third down team. And a lot of that is because of how often they go forward on fourth down. And they call third down knowing they're likely to go forward on fourth down. But if you get yourself in third and long, it makes it a lot, a lot less likely you're going to be able to play for it on fourth down. 
unless you just could great play on third down. And so A&M can get into a lot of their different kind of exotic looks right here. And a lot of their exotic looks, you know, there are times where they work some overload pressures, and we're going to look at some of those. And then there's times where they will work simulated pressures like this snap right here. So they're going to show a, a two high shell. They're going to show two safeties, even though one's starting to play a little bit lower. And they are now going to present several bodies across the line of scrimmage. Okay. Alabama can protect with six right here if they choose to leave the running back in. Texas A&M is showing six guys all at the line of scrimmage. And you've got to sort out this protection. As the play actually starts, what you're going to see is several of these defenders that are at the line of scrimmage are actually going to drop out, and it only becomes an actual three-man rush with the spy. The other thing that's going to happen on the back end is the safety that's playing a little lower than this, his partner here, he's going to stand and he's going to be the skiff player. He is a seam curl defender, okay? So if he gets anything threatened vertically, his job is to put hands on collision it and carry it and pass it off to his safety. If that player were to not work vertical but were to work out or in, he's going to hunt up anything coming in this curl window. And last but not least, there are certain scenarios that can actually pull him to the flat. Okay, So they're going to change the picture in the front. They're going to drop guys out. They're going to build their coverage underneath, and they're going to rotate into a cover three look. And they want you to try to throw the ball hot. They want to make you think we're bringing all this pressure, get the ball out quickly, and the hope is that they drop one of these underneath guys or this rotating safety into that window to force a quick throw and catch that either gets you a turnover or uh, gets you a, gets you a, neat, a sure tackle, an easy tackle short of the sticks. Okay, So here you see the rotation happen, Alabama – Starts to pick it up well. Milrow starts to feel pressure, gets out. And just the big thing that you continually see as I go to the end zone copy of this defense is just the athleticism. Um, you can see here the outside linebacker to the right that's, that's showing like he's showing pressure. He's going to fall back, and he's actually going to spy the quarterback. And as soon as Milrow starts to feel pressure, you see he just turns the jet zone, and he's able to – eat that cushion and it's very similar to what what you saw Perkins do against Ole Miss earlier in the season um but it's also that same type of athleticism um on that defense okay um gonna push forward just a little bit show you a couple other looks that they present defensively so this is one that I I, I thought was interesting they have several ways of getting into what a lot of people call NCAA pressures, which is just an overload pressure. Okay. So when you run these pressures, you're trying to present an overload to one side of the protection. And you're essentially going to put three guys to that side with a nose or somebody crossing face. And you're typically only going to have two rushers on the opposite side. Now, there's multiple ways to do it. The traditional way to do it would be to this end all the way to A-gap. Now becomes the B-gap player while the nose is working weak. You can also work this defender into B-gap, bring this backer into A-gap, 
and go see gap. It's a little bit less, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit easier on the offensive line from a, just a standpoint, if that's the way you've got your slide, I don't record much of a twist. What you're actually going to see here is they're going to bring this guy into a gap. He's going to come tight into what becomes the new B gap. And as the inside backer comes around, he's actually going to outside rusher. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me in the way that A&M likes to do is they will add on this backside backer, okay? If he's responsible for the running back and the running back stays in protection, is the nose slants here, this end has this play. All right, if the running back were to release, he's going to match his path. If the running back stays in, he's going to now insert off of that running back, and they're actually going to add an extra player to the rush. So you can see here, as the play starts to develop, Alabama is actually going to bring a tight end in. They have the ability to protect with seven now. Okay, they try to use a little play action protection, and they pull the guard. And it's a really nice pickup right there by the pulling guard. The running back gets a nice pickup. You see the late add-on by the backside backer. And Milrow just gets this off in time. If he holds on to this any longer, it's a sack. He gets it off in time. And if you talk about a weak, a weak spot in on this defensive roster, it's the secondary. And it's kind of hard to say. It's not like they're atrocious back there, but they have given up plays on the back end. They have all season. Yep. All, all season long. And look, this this is a phenomenal play by Burton for Alabama. I mean, that's a great adjustment on the ball. We've seen those type of adjustments this year from Trey Harris from Dayton Wade, right? Ole Miss has guys with the ability to make those types of plays. And if Jackson Dart is on, and if the O-line can handle these types of pressures, I'd certainly think there's opportunity to expose some of the holes that can and do exist at times in the secondary. And I'm going to continue to show you some of those um, kind of kind of as we go. Okay, so this is a third and 12. Again, we talk about staying out of third and long, not letting the the, the skill and athleticism on the defensive front um, take advantage of you. But I, I, I thought that this was a, a, a nice stunt here. Okay, they're going to get back into the same tight front that I showed you earlier. So you've got the two four eyes, you've got the nose, okay, the mic backers walking up, showing pressure. And now they've got these two guys showing off the edge um, as well. So what they're going to do here is they're going to they're going to overload. They're actually only going to bring four guys with a spy. Okay, so they are going to. I'm looking at my notes here. They're going to bring this outside backer off the edge. They're going to slant this three technique or four eye into a gap. He's going to jab the center and then come around behind into B-gap. So there's your overload. You've you've got three guys into the fan there. If it's the man side of the protection, you're going to be able to get a win. Somebody's going to lose. Hopefully, you might, might be the running back if you get him matched up on the right guy. Um, if it's to the fan side, you have a chance to kind of pick somebody off. On the opposite side, they're going to bring this four technique inside. They're going to get the inside backers actually going to get out in protection, and they're going to use this guy again. He's going to step to try and engage and pull the tackle, and then he's going to become a spy again. So you watch it here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's the stunt. You can see, I mean, when you watch the nose, when you watch a guy that's well over 300 pounds stab swipe across and working to B gap. It is another great pickup by uh the Alabama offensive line who's been maligned yeah, the, at times. The left guard year. 52 makes a really good play. Oh 52 does a great job. He passes the three technique off with his hands, doesn't lose it, and his eyes are, are still in B gap because that's where his gap is. This is his responsibility. And if number seven were to come all the way to B gap, he's got to take it. So he can't He's got to carry that player that crosses his face with his hands. He can't He can't leave with his eyes and leave his gap responsibility. Once seven declares and he stays outside right there, he's going to turn back and he's going to fill the, the, the loop by the nose now, and he's in great position. And then the big thing I love right here is when he sees it coming, watch him drop his hips and anchor that inside foot in the ground. And that's how you – that's – one of the best ways to defend a bull rush is you anchor your hips and you actually try to lift the rush. And he does a great job of it. Now, the thing is to me here, this is actually a case where the spy probably hurt him a little bit. Um, you watch the rusher off the edge right here. That's the spy, the back peels <coughs> and he freezes and he's waiting. He is waiting on the rush. They're so concerned about quarterback getting out and running right there. He finally decides to engage and go, and it's too late. He's found the receiver downfield. He's in, throws a great ball, and again, another good catch by an Alabama receiver. But you can see if they actually add that guy to the rush and don't spy, they've outnumbered the protection, and they probably get an easy sack, assuming the quarterback doesn't evade them quickly. So they have the ability to bring four-man pressures, five-man pressures, six-man, do all these different things. They don't play a ton of straight-up man-to-man on the back end. They'll play some match principles. They'll do some different things. But so often, you know, they're going to try to let routes declare and run with them. They're not a team that's just going to walk up and play a ton of press across the field, okay? Um, 
look at another snap, and this is one, and I included this one merely for the fact that this is a scheme that you see Ole Miss run a ton, okay? Ole Miss runs a ton of what's known as GT bash, all right, where they are going to now, they're going to work a double team on this right side up to the backer. They're going to block back with the center. They're going to pull the left or the left guard's going to pull. The left tackle's going to pull. And they're going to bring the back across. And they're going to read this stand-up defender right here on the edge. If that defender's upfield, quarterback's going to pull it and follow the pulling offensive lineman. If that defender's down the line, they're going to hand it off on the edge. Now, let me go back to the wide copy of the same play and show you one thing that, that they do have a great understanding of and they do a good job of, and all good defenses do, is they have a good understanding of how they plan to leverage the football. Okay, so right here, this is an inside backer that's walked out over the number three receiver and trips to the left of the offense. So right here, the end knows, okay, he does not have to go be responsible for being the quarterback player here. He can be the the, uh, the the sweep player, essentially, okay? He has bodies on the outside. Everybody's covered up. He can slow play and feather that. At the same time, let me go back to it, the end on the other side, when he sees pull, when he gets a block down and he sees pull his way, he knows what's happening with the coverage behind him. They are rotating again, and this safety into the boundary is their force player on the weak side. So this end is going to come down, and he is going to spill or dent technique this pulling guard, and they're going to force the ball outside to where now they're counting on this safety making the play in space. Okay, You watch it from the end zone, and you can see there's the end. He gets inside the guard right there forces the ball to bounce a little bit. There's a backer over the top and then the secondary support to limit the game. Now, from an execution standpoint, if Alabama had been just a hair better in execution, this is what you have to look at if you're Ole Miss and, and feel good about your ability to potentially run the football. The center here kind of blows his load a little bit, and he he goes right at the hip, and he tries to just explode into the to the nose and he loses he loses his footing, and he slips right there on that little kind of cut technique. Yeah, he sure and does. the nose is athletic enough to stay up. And right here, if Milro does not feel the nose, you can see there is a huge yeah because fifty two fifty two sort of creates the top of a of a running lane with 74, 77. If he cuts left right there, he might run for a while. Absolutely. Well, and. What, look at the double team between 65 and 77 on the right side. I mean, they take one of the uh, uh, day one potential draft pick at three technique right here, get phenomenal movement. I mean, they are – this That's is McKinley, teach right? Tape. McKinley Jackson? Yeah, absolute teach tape right here. They are hip to hip. They are high leg. <clears throat> they move him four yards off the line of scrimmage. And if the center doesn't miss on that back block on the shade – there's a great lane to now go get vertical and get oh, yeah. big yards in the run game right there. Sure. But you miss one block against a good front, and the ball now has to spit, and instead of being a big gain, it turns into a loss yep. for Alabama. Um, 
So I'm going to come back now. This is the next play. This is second and 15, I think. Very next play in the game. And, um, you know, great play. Great execution by Alabama. Great execution by Just for the record, A&M is one of the things they're really good at defensively is forcing a lot of third and long. Their average third down defense is third and nine and a half. I mean, that is exceptional. It's it's phenomenal. You know, and so here they are, second and 15. Alabama knows that, right? So they're going to try to push the ball down the field now, okay? They're not thinking, let's get half the sticks. They're, they're, They're good taking the shot. So they're going to catch Alabama in this, or they're going to catch A&M here trying to play the same type of coverage we looked at earlier, very similar. So what, what we would refer to as a, as a three buzz because they're asking this safety now to come down and he's essentially replacing a linebacker in coverage as they rotate to cover three. Okay. If, if we were bringing the safety down to be the flat player, we refer to it as three sky. If we were bringing him down into the boundary, we call it three week. And when you're bringing him down to replace a backer, we call it buzz. Okay. So that's what they're going to do. And it's going to be the same technique as earlier. He's not going to come running down into nothing because his first job is to be the seam player. So if anything threatens him vertically, he's got to match it, got a collision. So he's almost just going to stand flat footed and take a picture. Now, the other guy that's trying to take a picture is he's supposed to rotate to this middle third is this week safety. Milrow is going to do a phenomenal job of affecting that safety with his eyes and understanding what's going on and the structure of the play around him. So you can see here a couple things are happening, okay? One, they actually get A&M in a three-man rush. I don't know if they're thinking screen down, whatever the case may be, but they're going to get A&M only blitzing three, trying to kind of max drop right here. They're still going to spy the quarterback, not let him get out and use his legs. But Milrow's got a tight end and a receiver down here to the bottom. He's got twins to the top of to his left. They're going to motion the back out to the left, okay? And he's going to put his eyes to the right, to the short side of the field. And you can see the safety that's to the right of the, of the offense is starting to rotate to the middle of the field, but Milrow's eyes have put him into the boundary. So the safety is now going to push back and try to hold that hash. By the time he does that, he has now vacated this opposite scene. So it's good recognition, okay? As this is playing out, this slot receiver to the left is attacking this safety's leverage, and he's showing like he's going to cross face. And if he does cross face, this safety has to be in position to wall it and carry it. He's got to run with it. He can't give that guy a free path to cross his face. So if you run this from from the jump, you'll see the slot receiver to the left is going to go attack that safety, show like he's crossing face, and now he's going to burst vertical down that seam. So he's showing the crossing route that Ole Miss runs so much of. Show it, burst, and now back out of it into the seam. The outside route does a great job holding the corner to the top of the field, and they absolutely exploit this cover three that a and ms trying to run. But when you when you talk about quarterbacks manipulating coverage with their eyes, this is as good of as an example as you can find in the college game. I mean, you can see it here. Milrose, top of his drop, eyes are fully into the boundary. 
He sees that safety. Soon as he gets his feet back, ball's ready. Get it out right now, wide open for an explosive play. If Ole Miss can hold up, if they can catch A&M in situations where they're rushing three, they can hold up when they're bringing five. Again, there's opportunity to exploit things in the secondary. But this is where you get in trouble. This is back to the third and 15. So you're back in that third and long situation. So now, okay, they're going to give you another version of an overload blitz. All right. So you can see here, they're starting to creep down. They've got many dudes as they can afford standing at the line of scrimmage right here. And they're going to buzz some guys out and they're going to overload right here. And you get a really good look at this from the end zone. This is very similar to some of the things we talked about after the two-lane Ole Miss game, okay? So they've got two defenders, 92 and 26, over here to the right of the defense, and they're actually playing man-to-man on these two uh, offensive players on that side, okay? 26 is thinking I'm man-to-man on 81. Uh, The outside guy, I think it's 92, is actually there to take the running back, if those two were distributed differently, if he were to go to the flat right now, 82 would probably take him. 26 would end up on the back. It's 33 is rotating to the middle of the field. What they're going to do right here is they are going to take this end is going to slant outside. The nose is going to cross face right here. Okay. They are going to take this defensive end and he is going to push through the inside shoulder of this tackle. And his job is to pull the guard with him as he goes. They're going to bring 45 here off the edge, is going to loop in to A-gap. If the guard chases the end, A-gap now comes open. Okay, If the center has worked to A-gap, now you've created a one-on-one for your nose to try to get to the quarterback because they're also going to bring this safety off the same outside edge here And so they're going to create that overload just by finding another way to get to the twist. And it's really good execution here by the defensive end. Okay. So he's going to push the tackle expands. He's going to go to pick that shoulder and he feels the guard come off when 45 loops inside. And as soon as he feels the guard come off, he redirects right now to the quarterback and gets an easy sack. You know, you get in these third and long situations against A&M, it is absolutely going to be hard to manage. And I'm going to show you one more um, that, that it, you know, kind of changes the look. Again, very very similar look. They're going to give you a similar presentation again, okay? And they're actually going to drop out here into a Tampa 2 coverage, okay? They are going to um, – work a couple different things up front. So they're going to drop this guy out. He's going to pull here. They're going to drop this backer out here, and they're going to leave this end off the edge. All right, the nose is going to jab the center. He's going to wait on his this guy to work. Actually, I lied. This guy is going to buzz out and build to be another underneath defender. He is going to work inside. They're going to bring one off the edge, and the nose is going to work late around those guys here. So you're you're only bringing four players, but you're presenting as a defense, you are presenting seven guys that can potentially come. And so it is so hard to survive 
as an offensive lineman against these looks and these types of situations. So again, they're going to pop all these guys out and they're going to build what's almost just an old school cover two defense behind it. But they're athletic enough that if you watch the linebacker that leaves early, get back to it, the linebacker that kind of pulls out early here and starts to get depth, he is going to end up being a middle hole player in this Tampa two defense. And you, you're talking about a guy that's 6'5", 245 pounds, freaking turning and getting to the middle of the field and getting on top of post routes. Almost being a free safety. That's that's He becomes almost a cover three safety. That, I mean, that really is what's happening. And you're trying to get him to get this ball out in a hurry and and give you know and if they don't give it out in a hurry the rush has a chance to get there and if you look at this thing from the end zone I mean you just watch how fast it all plays out I mean, it's a it's a lot of big bodies moving fast I mean that is a lot for Jalen Milrow to process in a very I, short period of time it really absolutely absolutely and and you know look you, you talk about you, you look at the O line right here you know they 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 kind of guess right. You know, in, in the 52, the left guard, he realizes what happens. He goes back to try to help out and pick somebody up, but he ends up just standing there with nobody to block. But the rush has been effective. They've brought the safety off the edge. They've looped the nose late. They've just got so much going on. The back end is doing some high-level stuff. And so you're seeing some good schemes. Now, the reality is this. Ole Miss has played good defenses and in particular good defensive coaches, right? I mean, you, you go back and you look at last year at the Auburn game, rather, you know, Auburn secondary is really damn talented. Their front's not nearly as explosive as the A&M front, but they're a good front. And from a scheme and structure standpoint, they present you a lot of the same problems in the way that they'll try to overload and do some different things and change the picture on the back end. So, um, there's reason for optimism if you're an Ole Miss fan, but I think there also has to be an awareness of we can crack all the jokes what they want about collecting talent. On the defensive side of the ball in particular, the talent still plays, right? I mean, defense travels. It was the brilliance of Lane's comments is that on one hand, he was throwing a lot of shade. On the other hand, he was telling the truth. He Absolutely. Wasn't, he wasn't talking about it wasn't like the coach I'll, I'll pick on my alma mater for a minute it wasn't like him saying a lot of stuff about ulm having a lot of talent where it's like oh for the love of god stop it right where you're like come on man you're just doing coach speak he was telling the truth they have elite defensive talent they have a bunch of guys who are going to play in the national football league the nfl will be in full attendance at texas a&m's pro day it's that kind of thing. And so he's telling the truth. He's throwing some shade at a guy he doesn't like that he has a bone with. There's no question about that. But I've watched Texas A&M against Miami, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, Auburn. I've watched several of their games. Look, they're good. I mean, they're they they could take Tennessee. They could be a the fact that they're five and three is reflection on a number of things it's that they had a quarterback issue uh i'm not convinced bobby petrino has real autonomy on the offensive side of the football i think it's still jimbo's offense that bobby petrino's calling the plays i agree um and then you know they they defensively in the secondary as you referenced 
in 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 this they're not they're not elite back there they they can be they can be picked apart and then sometimes you kind of wonder if some of the psychological stuff has begun to play in i i think Ole Miss is going to get Texas A&M's last best shot. That's what I think. And um, look, I, I I think this is a game Ole Miss is going to win. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be late. I think Lane has turned Ole Miss into a team that just finds ways to win. They're 19-2 and two at home. That's a hell of a number. Texas A&M has lost eight straight road games. Uh, everything points towards Ole Miss, but man, these – now, not many fans like this, but there are a few that are like, oh, this is going to be easy. Let's look ahead to Georgia. I'm like, no, 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 no. This, no, I, you need you, to be focused on this. We have not seen the Ole Miss offense click, really click since the LSU game. And, and that's an LSU defense that hasn't exactly put up great numbers. Yeah. It's because Jackson, I think Pete got hurt first. I, I, that, that's, that, that, that's been a part of it. I, I definitely think that, that that's been a part of it. You know, he's he's missed on some throws. And the thing that I kept, you know, kind of thinking about as I was watching this is when teams, whether it was LSU late in the game or, or you know, Arkansas, and, and, and we've seen it, Auburn, when teams have just said, you know what, we're going to blitz the crap out of him and um, play man in certain situations, and we're going to see if they can connect. And there's times where Ole Miss hasn't been able to. And some of it has been protection issues and, and whether it's Dart's ability or even his freedom to control personnel or protection or whether that's controlled from the sidelines or with the call or whatever that looks like um, is, you know, it's that's something that I think if you're A&M, you question. And then, you know, the flip side of it is if the Ole Miss defense wins the day, Ole Miss wins the game. That's yeah. – Ole Miss offensively is they're, they're they don't have to click to have a good day. We we've seen that from them, right? It, it's can the Ole Miss defense continue to to rise? Can they stay out of one on one situations? Because there are some elite playmakers on the offensive side of the ball and special teams. You know, the, look at the Arkansas Texas A and M game. Special teams play a huge, huge. role because elite huge. returner, right? Guy with world class speed is a returner. For A and M, so you know Arkansas defense, was in that game until Anaya Smith's punt return. That was the absolutely, end. yeah. You know what's interesting is that Texas A and M has not scored an offensive touchdown. They scored touchdowns, but they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the second in the half. Second half. The Auburn game, September the twenty third. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ole Miss has won three. You could argue four games in the second half. Yep. Uh, it. it I, I think a lot of the intangibles point towards Ole Miss. It's just going to be. If you have fingernails, you're probably going to bite them or you need to bring your clippers or bring in a, a, I, this is going to be a, I think this is going to be a tight, close game. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, if you're my imaginary friend in Dubuque, Iowa, who turns this on, not really caring who wins, I think he's going to enjoy this. This is going to be the beginning of a fun day of football for him. And, um, I think he'll at the end of the day go, man. That Ole Miss Texas A and M game was a lot of fun. I mean, that's that's what I really believe. I think it's going to be Vegas has held the number at three, three and a half the whole week, and I think there's a reason for that. Well, you, you said it earlier. There's a reason those buildings look the way they do. <laughs> yeah. They're good at their job. <laughs> they're really, really, really good at their job. I think they're, I think they're super close on this number. I mean, I kind of like Ole Miss by about four, and. 
I think it's a fourth quarter game and it'll be a lot of fun. And if I'm right, and if you're right, and I think you kind of agree, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I do. Um, I, I, I like Ole Miss in this game. Um, I, I don't like them to run away with it. Um, but I, I, I think if they can win special teams and force a turnover and, and just, and, and that's the big thing is, for all the the sacks and the the success that A&M has, they have not taken the ball away a ton. They don't create a ton of turnovers. Um, if Ole Miss can protect the football and get it a couple times away from A&M, I think you really have to you have to like their chances. Obviously, well, if we're right, when we get back together next week, we will be talking about Ole Miss at Georgia. Georgia plays Missouri this weekend in Athens. Uh, the uh, Bulldogs are about a 15-point favorite as we record this. Assuming Georgia wins, it's going to be the free shot of all free shots for Ole Miss. I mean, it's absolutely it's a free shot. I mean, I, I, some people don't like that. I've already had some pushback on that, but guys, I'm right. It's a free shot. It's a it's a uh, it's a go. Just shoot your best bullet and see what happens. And and uh, if you don't win, you don't win. You you get ready for ULM and Mississippi State, and you go ten and two, and you play in an Access Bowl. And if you happen to knock off Georgia, well, then the conversation completely changes. But it's a it's it's a free shot against a team that at that point would have won twenty six straight games, including two national championship games. It's your and 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 I know there's been conversations <clears throat> where people don't see them as being as strong as what they have been, and and, and that's okay. Right. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But, but they're, they're, they're not a slouch. I mean, like <laughs> Carson Beck has put up really good numbers. He's, he's missed some plays. He's missed some balls. He, whatever. He's put up some really freaking good numbers. They haven't been as consistent running the football, but that's all a conversation that we'll have next week. And, yeah. and if Ole Miss has their way um, this weekend, then it'll be one that, that's obviously got a lot, a lot to it conversation with a lot of weight behind it. it it'll be a lot of fun absolutely i'm i'm uh i'm not supposed to cheer in this business and i'm pretty good at not cheering but i'm i'm super hopeful that that's the conversation that we have because it will be it will be a hell of a lot of fun to talk about that game in that context we've been brought to you by riverland roofing don't forget uh riverland has you covered if you're looking for uh, an inspection a new roof a maintenance program a home or business, they're a GAF master elite contractor. They can offer warranties that last a lifetime. They are licensed and insured. They service Mississippi and the surrounding states. So Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, they got you covered. 662-644-4297. We will be back next week with another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. We'll get you ready for Ole Miss at Georgia. And uh, obviously, potentially massive game in uh, Ole Miss football modern history. So we'll hopefully talk about that next week with Pete. Pete, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. That's Pete DeWeese. Uh, stay with us on MPW Digital. A lot of programming coming your way throughout the course of this evening and into uh, into the weekend. Chase Parham and I and others will have an MPW Digital postgame show presented by Dead Soxie Saturday after the game and then uh, – full week of podcast here at MPW Digital. So stay with us and I will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Good night. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.